Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so excited to have Valerie Paris as our very special guest. Valerie is a game designer with a background in marketing, community engagement, and immersive storytelling. Having worn many hats in her professional experience, from designing escape rooms to involving and improving operations, she's passionate about creating experiences that help connect people in meaningful ways. Her latest games have focused on exploring themes of gender and LGBTQ issues, as well as building positive queer community in the often hostile world of games. Valerie, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We always like to start by asking, what show podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. So the, the book that I kind of like always find myself coming back to, um, is a book called big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I'm not sure if you've heard of this. Elizabeth Gilbert famously wrote eat, pray, love. Um, so this was sort of an advice book that she had written and um, essentially, uh, this book is, is mainly talks about ideas, and it mainly talks about um, ins- where inspiration comes from and, um, and, and, and how that's used. And I, I think the, the thing that I really love about it is it has this core concept of that um, ideas are not your own. Um, and that ideas are gifts from the world that um, sometimes they, they take a step on your doorstep, sometimes they... They come and visit you for a while and you form a relationship them with them. And sometimes, um, you know, they go out the door. And uh, one of the, the beautiful things that I love about this book is it, it kind of takes the ego out of coming up with ideas. So whether, you know, we've all been in that situation where, you know, we've had we've had an idea for like a startup or a company or an initiative or, or a, a book or whatever. And um, we've written it down and we put it away in a, in a journal for a while. And then years go by or a month goes by and we see somebody else has like beat us to it. And we have that moment of like, oh, oh man, I wish if only I had like, you know, capitalized on it. Um, but what this, what this kind of book teaches, uh, which I think is so wonderful is that, um, you know, those ideas want to, uh, be birthed, you know, they want to have somebody to be their partner to, to see them into existence. They want to, they want to come into the world. So, um, you know, when an idea visits you, um, rather than kind of being sad that the idea has left you, um, you can be joyful that the idea you may have a, a romantic weekend with the idea, 
or maybe you had a long relationship with the idea, but then it eventually gave, gave out and went to somebody else. But you can be happy for that idea that, it, that it's found its way. And, and then it had the, the, the thought to visit you first. And always remember, and I think one of the biggest takeaways I have from this book is that when you find yourself in that situation where an idea has, has left you and has, has, has moved on, remember that um, it came to visit you in the first place. So even if somebody did take that idea for that next big project or book or, 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 or company or whatever, remember that you had the, um, the, you were the instrument at one point for this idea and you can trust and believe that the next one that is the perfect match for you, that perfect partner idea, um, is going to come your way. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a great book that I, I'm endlessly inspired by. I always come back to. Uh, Valerie, welcome, first of all. And Thank you for, I'm going to have to get that book. That is so beautiful about ideas. And while you were talking about it, I thought if you could give this speech to every PhD student during their dissertation, you would bring so much joy because here's what happens. You have an idea for your dissertation and you think it's a great idea. I think this could be groundbreaking. I'm going to write my dissertation on this. And then you do your research and you realize, oh, he already did it. <laughs> oh, that this person already did it. Oh, it's got it. so to actually find an idea that works for you is really difficult, and you can get really depressed. And so you're those are like beautiful. I wanted to well, thank goodness it's recorded, but push it out to everyone who who is doing some kind of dissertation or just the idea, the creative types. It's so beautiful, Valerie. Thank you for sharing that. And but. Where that you mentioned, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about where inspiration comes from. So of course I have to ask you. You're such a creative person, designing games and 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 other things. What? Where does your inspiration come from? Where do you where do you get it? Well, that's the big magic part of it. Um, well, I mean, so so I'm an atheist uh, by trade, but the. There, there is sort of this uh, kind of like spiritual side of me that I feel like if I, if I don't believe that things can happen, you know, and things can kind of come into your life and, and change you um, that are not explainable, then I'm kind of like shutting myself off from possibility. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I can take, you know, the, the inspiration that I, I come from, uh, I get comes from people who have done things like what I've done before me and that I've looked at them and admired them from afar and, you know, try to absorb as much as I can and, and take the the parts that, that I like and, and, and be them with my own experience. And, um, and I'm just grateful that any ideas have ever visited me. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know exactly where all of them come from. Um, I think it's more important that uh, you just keep, you know, if you're a creative person that you just keep making things, um, whether you're, you know, there's always this expectation that, um, when you, when you make something and it's successful, um, that it's, you know, it's your fault. So the next thing you make has to be successful too. And this is what also what the book talks about, which I love a lot. And it's a speech I, I do give to a lot of folks because, um, you know, they'll make, they'll make their next project and it won't be as successful. Right. And they'll, and they'll get so upset and I'll be like, well, don't worry. That's, that wasn't entirely your fault because that you didn't entirely come up with that idea. And the same thing happens when it's a good idea, you know, don't worry, you didn't entirely come up with that idea. So just because you were successful in the past, like 
all the universe wants for you is for you to keep making things and keep doing the things you love. Um, so that's kind of been what I've tried to bring into the future as well with my own creativity is like wherever it takes me, whatever's fun at the moment, that's wherever the inspiration is. That's what I, I want to do. I, I just it like, Oh, it almost brings a tear to my eye because it's so beautiful instead of what I think, what you, what you said is most people either feel the pressure of creating another really good idea or feel despondent because you didn't hit it out of the park with this idea. And there's so much, there can be so much potential negativity associated with not having the idea. And for you, you know, from the book and, and, and the beautiful way you put it is just, it is this journey and they're coming. It's like people who kind of come into, in and out of your life at certain times. And maybe you don't talk to them anymore, but you had them for three months in your life. And boy, was that change, you know, it was life-changing for you. Um, and ideas are, are like that and it's okay to let them go. And, and maybe you don't own them anymore. And it's just so beautiful way to think about ideas. So I, I thank you for that, Valerie, for bringing of that. Course, so of course. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. And, so, and I, you know, I, going back to that like romantic partner analogy too, it's like, yeah. um, we all learn from our, our partners, yes. like those of us who have partners, yeah. like, you know, there, even though the relationship might've worked and it was six months, right. You still learned, you still grew during yeah. that time. So it's yes. the same thing. Yes. And I know being that person who sometimes I feel quite uh, guilty for not maintaining things, right? Like I knew this person for two months and I should constantly write to them or, you know, keep up this relationship. And I remember someone said, but maybe they only came into your life for a few months just for that. And now they're gone and it's okay. And it's like, wow, I can let that go. And it's really great. But Valerie, I, Kelly and I often joke that this just first question that we have, which is really for us, just like a quick intro question of like, Hey, what you reading? we realized this could be an entire podcast we're, because people read the most fascinating things. And we're like, oh, let's talk about this. Um, but you you brought it to a whole nother level. So thank you so much. I appreciate that a lot. Bonus episode time. Let's Bonus go. episode. We uh, last time- the Patreon. For, uh, we are, this is the ideas coming out, uh, bonus episodes. And we also talked about doing, I think this episode dropped today, um, episode of recharge after dark. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. It oh, I'm extra, so here for that. Yeah. It was extra sassy, <laughs> ridiculous stuff. I don't know. That's when the swearing amps up to like a hundred, you know, um, oh, which, yeah. which is what Kelly and I do on a daily basis anyway. So it wouldn't be after dark. It's just daylight hours. For it's me. just daylight so, hours yeah, and then just, yeah. into the da- dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now the big question though, is what is the decision that you made that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are some of those charged qualities that you use to help you make that decision? Absolutely. Um, so I, I think the decision that definitely uh, changed my life uh, the most was my decision to transition. Um, and this was uh, at this point, I think two years ago. Um, and it kind of, it didn't start from this like position of, oh, I knew that I wanted to transition or whatever. It just started from this position of like, I asked myself the question, if you could be, if you could live your life, how you'd want to, you know, and if you could do anything, there was no inhibitions or, or whatever. Um, what would that look like? And I think that's a useful, uh, a question to ask yourself, not, not, not only if you're transitioning, but if you're doing anything in your life, if you're unhappy where, with where you are and you really need to take that kind of deep step back into your unconscious and be like, 
what am I missing? Like, what, what do I, what would I really do? What would I really be? Who would I, what would I do? Um, and, and the answer for me was, oh, I, I'm, I'm a woman. I need to transition. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, that's what happened. Um, and the thing that was, was difficult at the time was I, so I was the head of marketing at Clue Chase, um, which was a, is an escape room company. And, you know, we, we were corporate client focused. And as soon as I had this revelation and all my friends knew and all my friends worked with me, you know, I got called into the the boss's office and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fired. Like, this is it. Like they can't have somebody like me um, as the front of their company talking to these clients, you know? And that was, and I, and I was almost like, I almost understood that, that fear. I was, I almost like justified it in a way. I was like, Oh yeah. Like this is totally what's going to happen. And the act, the, the exact opposite happened. Um, and he was, he, you know, their company president like sat me down and was like, I'm so happy for you. Like we are here 100%. And I was extremely privileged, extremely lucky to be in that position. Um, and it really allowed me to have the confidence to move on throughout my professional life. Um, but the, the thing that, the quality that I've really taken into that is, is courage, I think is the most applicable one. Um, courage in a, in a different way. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, trans people have existed forever and we've existed in professional spaces forever, but what's been different um, most recently is that, you know, back in the day, trans women would have to, if they, if they wanted to exist in this professional space, they would have to be so uh, in stealth as we call it, like unknown, not telling anybody. And I think the thing that I, that inspires me is to take this idea of courage and say, you know, I'm going to be visible, right. In, in my corp, in the corporate space. And I'm going to um, try to try to carve out space for, for maybe the next person uh, who, who, who didn't get to do that. Um you know, for a lot of the people that I've worked with, pretty much everybody I've worked with, I've been the only trans person that they've either ever met or they've certainly ever worked with. And there definitely is that burden of responsibility. But at the same time, um, it's a wonderful thing because I get to be outspoken and I get to be, um, I get to be, uh, you know, somebody that, um, that maybe other people can see and go, Oh, she's trans. Maybe we're not, they're not all scary monsters. You know, maybe they're just normal people who also work at these kinds of jobs. Right. So, um, that's it. That's, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. I like Valerie's like, so that's it. You know, I transitioned. Yeah. Biggest life decision. Okay. That's it. Thanks, Valerie. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. I, was I supposed to? No, I, I can keep it. going. I can I say love, more. Or less. No, I love it. It's it's probably out of all the decisions that we've had so far to date is the biggest life changing decision, right? To, sure. to 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 transition. So that's why I really appreciate. It. You're like, and that's it. And I'm like, there you go. <laughs> um, so I love it. And thank you for sharing that story and being open of and to, to share it. I want to go back to a sentence you said. And if you could live the life how you wanted to, what would it look like? And I think you're right. It's a great question for everyone to ask themselves. But I'm wondering what prompted it for you? Like what about your life? What was going on in your life that you're like, 
I'm going to ask myself this question. And here's this answer. Like, what was going on? What prompted you? I was extremely unhappy is the, is the answer. Um, I think there's kind of like this narrative um, with a lot of trans people. It's like, oh, we always knew, you know, ever since I was three and I saw a red shoe, you know, I decided to uh, make this decision um, or whatever it was, you know, but, uh, and that's, that's the case for, for, for some people, maybe, maybe even a lot of people, but it wasn't the case for me. You know, I didn't even know what a trans person was until I was 16. You know, like I didn't know anybody. I didn't see anything online, read anybody's story about it. Right. So I I had no idea why I was just, I was just like, oh, I'm miserable Mm. and I'm just always going to be miserable and Mm. I'm never going to know why. And I always had this kind of like thing in the back of my mind that was just like, you know, just things are not adding up. And, and it's just like, no, no matter what I do, no matter, you know, I have no excuse not to be happy, but I'm not. And so just kind of taking a step back and really kind of doing what um, I guess like in, I don't know if Jungian psychology is the right thing to say, uh, or like this concept of like working with your shadow, Mm -hmm. like literally just asking your shadow self, like, okay, like what, what's going on here? You know, why, why am I feeling this way? So, so what, what can I do? What would I be if I could be anything? Um, and then kind of working backwards from there. And that's, that's, that's how I got there. Mm. So I think Valerie, I just, when, when you talk about courage, you started off, not even the courage to talk about the transition and be that voice and, and blaze a trail for other people coming and coming behind you, but the courage to ask yourself that question is what, what could I do? Like, I'm unhappy because as you well know, there's lots of people who are unhappy, but they're not asking themselves why they may do other things like drink or, or work too much or do things that negatively impact them without actually figuring out what I need to do to make myself happy. And so your courage was already there to ask yourself the question, because that can be a really scary question to ask. You could have said, you know, I'm breaking up with this person. I hate my job. I do all this. And you came up with, "Mm, I'm going to transition to a female, which is, I don't know, probably that to me, that seems like one of the biggest ones (laughs) Um, to, to say that. Were you always like a kid who was felt like you were pretty courageous? Because to me, you're so courageous in asking that at a relatively young age, I assume. I don't know your age, but it seems relatively young. So I'm thinking like, were you always a courageous kid? Yeah. So I was 24, I guess, when this whole, this whole stuff started. Um, and then, uh, it's 26 now as of last week and then, um, Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and then, so yeah, I mean, it was, I always courageous. Um, I guess in a sense, like, uh, yeah, I'm just like so courageous. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think for a lot of, I, I would consider myself like to be a pretty big coward when it comes to a lot of things. I think um, uh, outwardly courageous, yes, because I was into making um, like little movies you know, with my friends and I would do things like jump off bridges and, uh, you know, cling to the back of cars and do stunts and stuff. So that's the kind of outward courage yeah. uh, that I think comes from when you don't care about yourself very mm-hmm. much. Um, and then uh, not to psychoanalyze anybody in the stunt industry, I'm sure they all right, love right, each right. themselves very much. Um, and they have no underlying problems. But, um, 
but yeah, I, I think, um, I think when I say I was outwardly courageous, but inwardly cowardly, because I, I wasn't able to, um, I wasn't able to, to look and ask myself any difficult questions. I would avoid them. Right. You know, anytime I felt uncomfortable, I wouldn't have the courage to actually stop and say things because, you know, I, everything is designed to keep you in, in your box of thinking, right? Like everything is um, from your social relationships yeah. to your family, to your job. Um, everything is like, well, it's so easy for things to just be the way it is, mm-hmm. right? It'd be the way things are. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's it's what's what's courageous is to, to be able to ask yourself a, a difficult question and then actually act on it as well. Um, I think we would, like you said, we would rather turn to things that are unhealthy to help us cope. Um, and that might be easier and that might even work for some people, but I, I don't think that it's what's going to ultimately make you happiest. Um, yeah. No. And I think, you know, you're talking really about that, that machine too, the societal machine of get married, have a kid stick with your job. Like there's so that machine keeps that it's a perpetual motion machine that really wants you to kind of stay in that box. Like you're saying, it's like, so to even kind of try to break through that and ask questions, you're questioning the machine. And that is a tough thing to do, regardless of even what, what you're breaking. If you're breaking gender, marriage, kids, whatever, it, it's tough because you're going against the machine. Yeah, absolutely. And I, one of the parts of this that was made the, the hardest was um, I was with my partner at that time for about four mm-hmm. or five years and sh- uh, she wasn't out. Mm. She didn't know that she was bisexual. Oh. And I thought that this was going to be the end of a, th- of a five-year relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and by me asking that question, it led her to ask that the question, a, a similar question for herself and then she came to this realization that she had no idea of, right? So I think even asking those questions outwardly and in front of other people can even help. Um, it just it just unleashes the thread, right? It's just tugging yes. that thread out and seeing what other kind of lurking things there are, right? Yeah, yeah it sure does. And the power of, I always remember in, in school, in research, they always talk about just asking the question changes the game just asking the question. And so we were having a, a discussion earlier just about pronouns, just asking the question about the pronouns, just putting it out there. You're changing the whole tenor of the conversation then. You're putting it into motion. You're making people talk about it. So it's really it, it's really key to just ask the question that, again, was so courageous. But to tie it back, you're, because you said, I, you know, I, I didn't have this courage in, until later, but to tie it back to your ideas it kind of, it came to you when, when it was needed. So maybe you weren't prepared to do it when you were 18 or 19, just like an idea that floats away. It comes into your life and floats away, but the courage came to you when you really needed it, when you were 24 and asked yourself that question. So it came to you when you needed it, just exactly. like the idea. Just like I, the idea. Exactly. I mm. think that's a beautiful way to look at it. I think that's, you're absolutely right about that. Um, you know, and it's, I, exactly. I think that it did happen for a reason that way. Um, yeah. so. oh, well, listen, I was inspired by your beautiful statement. It's all coming together, Valerie. This is like beautiful, beautiful podcast. Thank you. What, of course. Um, what, so, so tell me about, I, I love how you're like, I'm good. So now we're fast forwarding and you're in the head of marketing. And I love how you said, I'm getting fired. 
Because that's really, that's the machine, right? You're assuming that's the machine is going to fire you because they're like, we're not going to have a, a transgendered person in head of the face, you know, the face of this company. And so how, take us through kind of those feelings of when they said, oh, we're so happy for you. And like, how did that, you said it built your confidence, but how do you, how do you think that additional things that boosted for you or changed your outlook by getting, by being appreciated instead of torn down in that moment? How did that change for things for you? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I don't know where I would be, honestly, if, if that hadn't happened and I'm very, I'm extremely grateful. Um, and I, and I recognize that there are so many, um, there's so many folks who have, you know, I'm extremely privileged to be able to, to be in that position. I was in a, everybody was relatively young in the company. Um, and I was surrounded by friends. Uh, and, and that was, was, it was a great thing. It was a great, great power. A lot of folks who are, you know, by POC, uh, who maybe not, uh, coming from as, um, affluent a background, you know, they're, they're not going to, nobody's going to give them that people might not give them that opportunity. Right. It was, it was an enormous opportunity and um, it took a lot of courage. I'm sure for the, those people there as well um, to the other managers, you know uh, the, the CEO to, to make that decision as well. You know, the, everybody acts, everybody that would act negatively would do so out of fear. Right. I was afraid I was going to lose my job. Right. Um, the CEO might have been afraid that they were going to not have a very good marketing person because, or a community engagement person because um, people might lose, they might lose clients. Right. We might lose clients. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. Like it's, it's a very scary thing. They've never been there before. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to have, but, but just to put aside fear for a moment, you know, the fact that he was able to put aside his fear. And everybody else was to kind of have to have that moment of like, you know, let's just give it a shot, you know, and it's not going to change anything. And it, then it ended up working so beautifully um, was was uh, amazing for me. And uh, it's it's an anxiety that I carry to this day. Um, any enter any any professional new job or field or position, I had this like you know enormous anxiety of like. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm lucky enough to be in New York where everything is not great in a lot of ways, but like, you know, the, at least the companies uh, that, that operate here for the most part of what I've seen are, are relatively inclusive. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done for sure, but, um, you know, it's, it's always an anxiety in the back of my mind. So every time I enter that new position of like, okay, um, what's the culture like, what's the culture like going to be at this job? Like, you know, is, is there a lurking misogynist? Is there a lurking racist, transphobe, whatever in, in the ranks of, that's going to be able to make that, that's going to make a decision that's going to ruin my life or ruin my day or ruin somebody else's day or, or career or whatever. Um, you never know. And uh, I think there's just, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I, I, I would hope that, um, that anybody who's in that position to let somebody, um, have that opportunity as I was allowed that opportunity, I would hope that they would choose not to be let fear dictate that decision. Um, and maybe ask themselves, okay, well, 
if I, if I can ask myself, if I can create the company that I would want to build, uh, and I had no opposition, I could do anything, right? Going back to our original question mm-hmm. that we asked ourselves, then they can ask that question for their company. And what would that look like, right? Um, I think that's how I would like to hopefully take things into the future. I, I, I'm going to ask you next on actions, but I, and I'm going to say an action already, but I hope it's not, I'm stealing from you. I don't know if I'm, I am or not, but I'm going to say it. When you're talking about this, fear. So when we talk about what are the actions that you want people to take, that action of stop yourself before acting on fear, that if we could just do that, even 50% of the time, can't maybe do it 100% of the time. But if you could have enough self-awareness as just humans to say, "Hmm, am I acting on fear? It's because I don't understand her. I don't understand what she's doing. So am I being curious or am I being fearful? And I stop the reaction on fear and the thought of your life, Valerie, not having that support and what your life could have turned to um, if the if the if the CEO didn't support you. How you know that person changed your life by supporting you. And so, what if everyone could more support and not act out on fear? What a different world we would have just so beautiful. And I just wanted to say that as one of the actions. Um, Absolutely. And sorry if I stole one of your actions, but what, what, what are some all. of your actions? <laughs> what, are, what are some of the actions that you came up with that, that can help people who are, who are making dis- these big decisions that change their lives? Oh, actions. Um, oh my goodness. Well, that's definitely one of them. I think that's a, that's a great one. Uh, don't, don't make d- decisions out of fear. Easier yeah. said than done. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Um, that's one. Uh, oh, geez. Another action. Um, oh, my goodness. I feel I feel vastly unprepared for the action. I'm very, I'm very sorry, Valerie. That is our oh. fault for not preparing you. Oh but no, no, no. That's about, that's my bad. I, that about, was that was my main one. I think I was going to work it more into the other thing. But um, um, how about yeah. this? How about this, Valerie? So we talked about the fear, which is that's like a huge. And I I I, I, I grabbed your idea as it was floating by me. Um, what, how could people, let's be really specific because it is tra- today that we're recording because we of course planned this so perfectly that we're recording with Valerie on transgender visibility day. That's totally on purpose. Totally on purpose. We're that good. Um, what name, like two or three things that people can do right now to support transgender, the transgender community, what can people do? Yeah. So the first thing is, um, there is a ton, a ton of horrible misinformation that is, um, uh, in regards to trans youth, right? Um, there is a lot of legislation, anti-trans legislation that's being passed. It's, it's like wildfire through, throughout the U S because the, the GOP is, is said, okay, their backs are turned. They're talking about something else. Let's mm-hmm. see, see where we can, we can, how we can wager this, this, uh, this point. Um, you know, that's, uh, and, and, you know, regardless of, of your political beliefs, um, I think the thing that we have to get serious about is if you do care about children in this country, 
um, then you'll trust the science. And the science is saying, the biologists are saying, the psychologists are saying, all of the healthcare professionals are saying in regards to uh, uh, trans youth that the access to medical care is key. Um, it's, it's reversible. It's, uh, you know, having somebody, a kid going through the wrong puberty is the most traumatic, one of the most traumatic and horrifying things that a child can experience. Trust me, I, I've been there. Mm -hmm. It was horrifying. Mm -hmm. And I don't want, I wouldn't want that for any child. You know, I wouldn't want that for any child. So I think that's number one, stopping the spread of misinformation, um, getting educated about trans issues in regards to healthcare, getting the actual facts about, um, you know, the, the, the science and not just saying, uh, oh, you know, I heard somebody say that this is what the science is. It's like, no, you know, do, do the works, you know, if you hear somebody that is, is saying something wrong about it, saying, spreading misinformation, nip it in the bud. That's number one. Number two, I think, um, opening a conversation, um, one of the thing, what the, the biggest, um, the biggest weapon that people have to shut down any, uh, or to severely impact any marginalized community is, um, is when nobody's talking about it, right. When they feel that they have an open field, um, that, that the attention has been, has been shifted mm-hmm. and now is the time that we're going to attack. So having that, having a conversation with somebody, anybody that doesn't know, doesn't understand, um, having that conversation of, you know, what, uh, what, what, what trans issues are, what, what can be done, what is actually being affected here, uh, that it's not just uh, some issue of like, oh, somebody wants special treatment or whatever, you know, this is life and death, you know, that uh, the kids need this medical treatment because kids are dying, you know, and, and we want to, we want to be able to stop that. So opening that conversation up with somebody who doesn't know, um, and just, just talking about it because they can't ignore us if we're talking about it and we're having an open discussion at work, at home, wherever that conversation happens. So, so that's number two. And, and, and extend that conversation to your legislators. Like, please, honestly, I mean, this is a plea. This is my pleading to you is, you know, outside of, of this podcast or anything like, honestly, like I'm begging you if you, especially if you live in one of these red States, Mm -hmm. um, like Arkansas or Tennessee that are taking away, uh, this, these child protections, like it's going to get people killed. Uh, please call your legislators, please care, uh, get involved. If there's a trans person in your life at work, in the office, at home, uh, somebody, you know, reach out to them, see what they need. Uh, that's, that's the most important thing you can do. Mm. Thank you, Valerie. You, as you were talking about the the education and bringing it to light, one of my favorite quotes is "Abuse can't live in the dark," or "Abuse loves the dark." Excuse I love me, that. can't live in the light, right? I just screwed yeah. it up, but you know, like no, I, I get love you. that. I love that because by being educated, by knowing, like you, like you said earlier, trans people have been around forever. This is not, you know, I think we were talking about this earlier, even before the podcast, been around forever. This is not a new thing, but our education and our savviness and our consciousness has been raised to it. And so don't let that light go out and keep the education going. And for all of us, like, again, it all comes down to laws. If we haven't learned how important laws are in the past four years, (laughs) um, 
they're really important and we need to get involved. And I know Kelly tries to get involved with um, with education and laws and writing to her, to her Congress people, especially when she does not agree with them. And so Kelly, what are your, what are your thoughts on our incredibly well-crafted uh, podcast on transgender visibility day? Cause again, we did, we planned this perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Valerie, just your story of bravery is just, I mean, it gives me such hope for, the future, because what you just demonstrated in this episode is all of the things you just spoke about is educating people and looking to remove the misinformation that's out there and being just very compassionate to just your fellow human, right? Just a, that, that, that your boss in that moment of when you were most fearful for potentially maybe having to lose your job or just the uncertainty of expressing who you are in being truthful to who you are, that your boss allayed your fears and, and said, you know what, you have my 100% support. I mean, that, that, that moment, that probably was very surprising to you, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, it was extremely surprising. I, I mean, I, I was honestly, like I said, I, I, I thought I was gone. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I had no, it was unprecedented. It was an unprecedented mm-hmm. decision, mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. And so being able to be, you know, so open and transparent about who you are, you know, you, you could be an employer of the future who want, who says, you know what, no, we don't want you here. Or you could be the right type of employer and say, you know what, we have, we have your back 100%. We're grateful that you're here. Thank you for being open and honest about, you know, who you are. Let us know how we can support you. So for people on this call today, you're a friend, a relative, you're an employer, you're a leader, you're a coach, whatever you happen to be, make the decision in your mind today that you're going to commit to supporting, um, you know, transgender youth, trans in general, um, anyone in your life who is struggling with something or making a decision to live the best life possible. Because Valerie, I mean, what a, what a story, number one, but number two, um, how different could your life have looked if that employer had not said, I'm 100% behind you? Or worse yet, that you chose to not live your the best life possible, that you chose to continue life um, in a way that was um, disingenuous to who you are in your, in your spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, let's, I mean, let's, let's support, uh, mm-hmm. let's support better leadership. Let's support women. Let's support everybody, um, and 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 build the kind of um, companies of the future that we want to see mm-hmm. for sure. And thank you for giving a voice to to this because again, um, that only helps raise awareness. It helps create people feeling and, and maybe taking stock of of how they support today. And if they maybe haven't been the most supportive person in the past, that they can make the commitment now to be the most supportive person for those around them in the future. So thank you, Valerie, so much. Um, so inspired by your story. I was crying throughout parts of it and uh, it just is so moving. So thank you for being who you are. We appreciate you so much. Um, and we are so excited and thankful that you were able to be on our, on our podcast. Well, thank you both for this opportunity. I'm just extremely humbled uh, for it. And, and you two are amazing. You're doing amazing work and I'm just so thrilled. So, so thank you very much, very, very much. Absolutely. And um, I highly recommend that you connect with 
Valerie, um, do so at, Uncal- at Uncanny Valerie. I'll make sure to go ahead and put that in the show notes as well so everyone knows where to go ahead and, uh, and find her. Again, thank you, Valerie, so much for, for joining our podcast and for sharing our story. You've really illuminated um, uh, myself in particular, but so many, I'm sure, with your powerful and poignant story. Thank you, Tara. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.